Hello there. Thanks for listening to the Elevate Christian Church podcast. We exist as a church to connect people with God and each other. Today's message comes to us from our lead minister and preacher, Kevin Barton. We hope this inspires you, grows you, and challenges you in your faith and your walk with Jesus. Enjoy! Uh, We are starting a new series today, and for the next several weeks, uh, we're going to talk about angels and demons. Uh, There is a battle raging around us that is unseen by our human eyes. Angels and demons uh, are clashing over the souls of every man and woman. And so during this series, we are going to look at the roles that angels and demons have in this long war against God. So to begin with today, uh, I want to tell you a joke. Uh, it's, a, it's a very popular joke, and it is not super, super funny. Uh, I am glad that I'm not going to be here to see your reaction live uh, to the punchline of this joke. The joke goes like this. While walking down the street one day, a corrupt politician was tragically hit by a car, and he died. And so his soul arrived at the pearly gates, and there St. Peter was standing, and Peter said, well, welcome to heaven. He said, now listen, before you settle in, there seems to be a problem. Uh, We don't ever get politicians around these parts, so we don't really know what to do with you. No problem, the politician said, just let me in heaven. He said, we'd like to do that, but we have our rules from the higher ups, and so what we're gonna have to do for you is you're gonna have to spend one day in hell and then spend one day in heaven, and then you'll be able to decide where you want to spend eternity. Well, the politician said, no, 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 really, I have made up my mind. No need to do that. I will be fine to stay here in heaven. I'm sorry, Peter said, but we have our rules. And with that, Peter put him in an elevator, and he goes down, 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 down to hell. When the elevator doors open, uh, he finds himself in the middle of this beautiful, plush, green golf course. And then he sees the clubhouse uh, on his right side. And standing in front of the clubhouse are all of his other friends and politicians who had worked with him. Everyone is dressed to the nines. They run to greet him. They shake his hand. They reminisce about old times. Then they play a friendly round of golf. After that, they dine on lobster and caviar and the finest champagne available. Also present at the party was the devil himself. And he's very charming. He's a very friendly guy. He is dancing and telling jokes. And they're having such a good time that before the politician realizes it, it's time to go. He gets on the elevator. He goes up, 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 up into heaven where he spends 24 hours in heaven, moving from cloud to cloud, singing. He's having such a good time that before he realizes it, the 24 hours have gone by and St. Peter returns to him. He says, well, you've spent a day in hell and you've spent another day in heaven. Now it's time for you to choose your eternity. Well, the politician reflects for a minute and then he answers, well, I never thought I'd say this, but I feel like I would be better off in hell. And so Peter escorts him immediately to an elevator and down, 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 down to hell he goes. And when the doors of the elevator open, he's in the middle of a barren wasteland. 
covered with garbage that's on fire. There's garbage and fire raining down from the sky. He sees all his friends dressed in rags, and they're picking up trash and putting it in black bags as more trash falls from above. The devil comes over to him and puts his arm around his shoulders. And the politician stammers, I don't understand. Yesterday I was here, and there was a golf course and a clubhouse, and we ate lobster and caviar and drank champagne, and we danced, and we had such a good time. Now I'm here, and it's a barren wasteland full of garbage and fire raining from the sky, and everyone looks miserable. What in the world happened? Well, the devil simply smiles at him and says, yesterday we were campaigning, today you voted. As I said, I'm glad I'm not here to see your reaction to that joke, but as corny as that joke may be, it serves to illustrate a point. And the point is this, there is a definite battle going on all around us that we cannot see. A battle for every soul of every human being. Every person is going to have to make a choice. We will all spend eternity somewhere. And there's this battle between angels and demons for us to make that choice. And so today... We're going to begin, and we're just simply going to scratch the surface. In today's message, we are going to look at angels. Now, the Hebrew word for angel is malach, and it literally means one who is dispatched. Angels have been dispatched from heaven by God, and when they are dispatched, they either have a message or they have a ministry. A lot of times in the Bible, God would send an angel to deliver a message. And so if you're familiar with the Old Testament, particularly the prophets, God would send angels to bring messages to great prophets like Isaiah, Daniel, and Zechariah. In the New Testament, angels brought message to Mary that she would have Jesus, the Christ child. An angel appeared to Joseph. Angel appeared to Mary Magdalene at the resurrection. In the book of Acts, we have an angel appearing to bring a message to Peter. And so many times in Scripture, angels would bring message, messages. But angels also have ministries. They do things like guide, encourage, deliver, enlighten, empower. And we're going to look specifically at the ministries that angels have in our lives next week. But today, I want to simply begin by talking to you about the different types of angels that are in the Bible. And so I'm going to let you know from the, from the gate here, this is one of those sermons that involve a lot of information and not a lot of application. It is going to feel a little bit more like a lecture than a sermon today. And we're doing this because we want to lay the groundwork for this series. So with that in mind, let's roll our sleeves up for a few minutes as we talk about different types of angels as mentioned in the Bible. There's a lot of debate over how many types of angels are in the Bible. I'm going to offer you five types of angels, but there are some scholars that say there are seven, even up to nine different types of angels. This is one of those subjects that as your preacher, I would encourage you to do some self-study. 
Now, I'm going to offer you five types of angels in just a few minutes, but before I, I do that, I just uh, want to make sure you understand something, and it's simply this. Human beings and angels are different, and humans and angels stay different. In other words, humans don't die, go to heaven, and become angels, we're told in the book of Psalm chapter 8 that we as humans were created a little lower than angels. In the book of Corinthians, Paul tells us that we will become greater than angels because when we are resurrected, we are like Christ. And so I would say it this way. My, my sweet grandmother, Hazel Barton, who passed away and is now in the presence of God, she is not an angel. She doesn't have wings. She doesn't have a halo. She does, she's not laying around on a cloud with my grandfather eating grapes and playing a harp. Um, she is not an angel. She is still a human being who was created in the image of God. And so of the five types of angels that we are going to mention today, disembodied humans are not on that list simply because we don't become angels when we die. In other words, every time a bell rings, an angel does not get its wings because they were created already with wings. So let's look at the five types of angels in the Bible. We'll start with what I like to call the big kahuna. Uh, we'll start with the archangel. An archangel is a chief angel. He is the leader of the angels, both the Old Testament and the New Testament speak about the archangel. His name is Michael. And so what I'd like to do is we're going to jump into the book of Revelation chapter 12. Let me just set the scene. Um, we are told that before Adam and Eve fell, uh, before man sinned, uh, there was a great war that broke out in heaven. And so we're going to pick that up in Revelation chapter 12 verses 7 through 9. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael, who this is the archangel, and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough. In other words, the devil and his angels weren't strong enough. And they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the world astray. He was hurled to earth and his angels with him. And so you have this war in heaven, and you've got Michael the archangel. Michael's name means one who is like God. And Scripture seems to indicate that Michael is the leader of God's angelic army. He's the chief. He's the big kahuna. He seems to be the biggest, baddest, most powerful angel in heaven. And so there's this war in heaven, but when the war takes place, it's not between God and Satan. It's between Michael, the archangel, and Satan. Now, the war is over, Satan's rebellion towards God, but Michael handles it. He grabs the devil by the tail, swings him around, and throws him, casts him to the earth. He's a very, very powerful angel. Now, I would say this to you. Um, I believe that he is the only archangel. Uh, for several reasons, uh, one being that he is the only angel ever listed as the archangel. I believe he is the undisputed leader 
of God's angelic army. Uh, the Catholic Church and other church traditions sometimes say that Gabriel was also uh, an archangel because he, he is mentioned in the Old and the New Testament as well. But we're never told in the text that Gabriel was an archangel. In fact, Gabriel was a messenger angel, and all of his messages had to do specifically, every message that he brought had to do with one thing, the advent of Jesus Christ. So I believe that there's one archangel, and that archangel is Michael. The second type of angel mentioned in the Bible is called a cherub angel, or cherubim in the plural. Uh, to me, cherubs are the most fascinating angels of all. Um, we are first introduced to cherub angels as early as Genesis chapter 3. Uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, you have the fall of man. Uh, God confronts them. God curses the serpent. God curses Adam and Eve. And then God removes Adam and Eve from the garden and he places guards so that no one could go back into the Garden of Eden. I want you to see this. It's Genesis 3, 24. After he, God, drove man out of the garden, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and flaming swords flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. And so when we're introduced to these cherub angels, uh, we see that they're they given the task of guarding the Garden of Eden. So no one could come in uh, and re-enter to the tree of life. And so you've got these, these majestic, powerful angels with flaming swords flying back and forth guarding the Garden of Eden. You see, guarding is a primary task of a cherub angel. I want to show you something that is symbolic about the ch cherub angels. We find this in Exodus chapter 25, and we're in this long part of Scripture where God is giving Moses instruction on the, the tabernacle, on the temporary, temporary dwelling place of the Lord. And he talks about the holy place and the holy of holy place. Well, in the text, he's telling Moses how to design the furniture that would go in the tabernacle. And we are talking specifically in the text we land in about the Holy of Holies, this place where God would actually, in his Shekinah glory, dwell in the middle of the Israelites while they were in the wilderness. Well, in the Holy of Holies, God tells Moses to place something in there known as the Ark of the Covenant. And when he's talking about the Ark of the Covenant, he begins to talk about the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. And that's where we want to land uh, today. It's in Exodus 25, 17 through 22. He says this, make an atonement cover of pure gold. <clears throat> in other words, make a top for this Ark of the Covenant. Two and a half cubics long and a cubic and a half wide. And make two cherubim. These are these angels hammered out of gold at the ends of the cover. Make one cherub on one end and a second cherub on the other. Make the cherub of one piece with the cover at the two ends. The cherubim are to have their wings spread upward, overshadowing the cover with them. The cherubim are to face each other, looking towards the cover. So you have an angel here with his wings and his head down, and then you have an angel here facing with his wings extended and his 
head down. When you look at it, it actually makes a really nice little seat. We continue, verse 21. Place the cover on the top of the ark and put the ark of the tablets of the covenant of the law that I will give you. Let me just stop right here. Uh, this has nothing to do with angels, but this is so profound. God is saying, listen, in this ark of the covenant, I'm going to give you these 10 commandments. I want you to put them inside of the covenant, but over top of that, I am making this seat with these cherub angels known as the mercy seat. And there's some beautiful imagery in there for us. The imagery is this. We have all shattered the Ten Commandments. We have all broken them. We have sinned. But God's mercy always triumphs over God's law. And so God's mercy will cover the law that we broke. And then he says in verse 22, There above the cover between the two cherubim that are over the Ark of the Covenant, I will meet with you. In other words, I will dwell here and give you my commandments from the Israelites. And so here's what you have. You have the cherubim in Genesis 3 guarding the Garden of Eden. You have a picture of them guarding the Ark of the Covenant, guarding the God's throne. The Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat, was God's throne here on earth. But then you fast forward and you look at God in heaven in the book of Ezekiel, and we are told that cherubim, cherub angels are actually supporting and guarding the very throne of God. Now, let me say this. Cherub angels were very, very popular during the Renaissance era. And so there was a lot of artwork that have cherub angels on them. And I want to go ahead and tell you, they are grossly misrepresented. Uh, in the Renaissance art, cherub angels are basically babies with wings that are flowy, floating on clouds. And you, so when you look at Renaissance painting, that is what you're going to see. Well, that has trickled down to us. And even today, many people, when we think of angels, we get the picture of cherub angels from the Renaissance era. In other words, we get these chubby little babies with harps floating on clouds. In fact, if you would go out today and you would buy white cloud toilet paper, um, you're going to see two babies with wings kind of flying towards each other. These are supposed to be cherub angels. And I want you to understand, nothing could be further from the truth. Ezekiel actually gives us a description, several descriptions of cherub angels. I want you to see this. This is kind of a long passage of scripture, so stay with me and try to picture this in your mind as we go through this. Ezekiel 1, 5 through 14. And in the fire was what looked like four living creatures. In appearance, their form was human, but each of them had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight and their feet were like those of a calf gleamed like burnished bronze. Under their wings, in all four of their sides, they had human hands. All four of them had faced wings. In other words, they have eyes all over their wings. And the wings of one touched the wings of another. Each went straight ahead and they did not turn as they move. Their faces look like this. We don't ever see this depicted as angels in, in any type of art. Each of the four of them had a face of a human being on the right side, 
and the face of a lion on the left, and the face of an ox, which also had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces. They had two wings spreading out upward, each wing touching that of the creature on either side. And each one had two other wings covering its body. Each one went straight ahead. Whenever the spirit would go, they would go without turning as they went. The appearance of the living creatures was like coals of fire or like torches. Fire moved back and forth among the creatures. It was bright and flashing. The creatures sped back and forth like flashes of lightning. So just like in the Garden of Eden, when you've got these creatures going back and forth, guarding it, this is what you have around God's throne. They are guarding the God of throne. And so we are putting a picture up. This is maybe more of a correct representation of what a cherub angel looked like. Here's all I can tell you about cherub angels. These are bad dudes. Uh, These are not angels to be trifled with. These are not chubby little babies with wings. These are beautifully dangerous and magnificently horrifying creatures, cherub angels. The third type of angel mentioned in the Bible are the seraphim. Seraphim angels we find in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another. Don't miss this. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is full of his glory. Let me just stop right there and say this. These angels, these winged creatures are flying around the throne of God singing praises, but they're not saying holy is the Lord God Almighty. They're saying holy, holy, holy. Most scholars believe that's because they're singing to the Trinity. Holy is God the Father. Holy is his son, Jesus. Holy is God's spirit. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. Verse four, it gets a little weird though. And the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. And so you get the picture of their, their, the bass in their voices booming so much that it actually is shaking the foundation of God's throne room. And it begins to fill his throne room up with smoke. Isaiah says in verse 5, woe to me. In other words, I'm afraid. I cried, I am ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And then one of the seraphim, one of these angels, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs of the altar, and he put them on Isaiah's lips to purify him. Now, you have wall-rattling almost fire-breathing, smoke-filling creatures mentioned in Isaiah chapter 6. Now, here's what I find absolutely interesting. The word seraph in the Hebrew, do you know what that word means? It means fiery serpent, fiery serpent. These seraphim angels by some scholars are often called serpent angels. 
And they are often depicted as dragon-like creatures in Jewish art. And they're flying around the throne of God, singing holy, holy, holy. This choir of fire-breathing, light-bearing, wall-shaking, dragon-like angels. This leads some scholars to believe that Satan was a seraph angel. We don't know that. Um, We do know that he was a fallen angel. Uh, But a lot of scholars believe that Satan was a seraph angel because Satan is depicted as a serpent, a dragon-looking angel. And so their theory is, as Satan was flying around the throne of God singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, he ascended higher and higher and higher and thought to himself that he could do a better job than God. And jealousy set in, and you have this fracture in heaven that causes the fall of mankind. That's a little bit of conjecture, but we do know that these seraphim were some very extravagant, magnificent creatures. The fourth type of angel that I want to talk to you about is probably a better picture in your mind of when we talk about angels. These would be known as common angels. These would be angels that you and I think of. Uh, They would be the foot soldier angels. They're not in the throne room of God. They're actually here on earth. Now, they are sometimes divided into ranking systems, uh, common angels, living creatures, thrones, principalities. I've kind of lumped them all in together. but, But these are angels that have a message and a ministry for mankind. And we're going to look at that in detail next week. But I would say these are like earthbound angels. They would be angels that are all around us right now, unseen by human eyes. But according to Ephesians chapter 6, they're right here among us battling for our attention, battling for our devotion to God, battling for our obedience to God. They're fighting the hordes of fallen angels and evil spirits that would love to drag us away. Common angels would be the angels that minister to us. And by us, I mean born again believers in Jesus Christ. We're told so in the book of Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14. Paul says, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? These are the angels that minister to us. I'm going to leave that here right now. Maybe it'll whet your appetite for next week as we talk about specifically how they minister to us. The fifth and final type of angel mentioned in the Bible are fallen angels. Fallen angels. Fallen angels would be those who with Satan rebelled against God before the fall of Adam and Eve and were hurled and thrown to the earth. We've already read it, but let's read it again. Revelation 12, 7 through 9 says, The war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and he lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the world astray. He was hurled to earth, 
and his angels with him. Now, just a few verses up in Revelation chapter 12, we're told the exact amount of angels that rebelled against God. It says one-third of the angels fought on Satan's side. And these fallen angels were cast down to earth with Satan himself. And so week three of this series, we're going to spend an entire week talking about fallen angels. But I want to mention this to you in passing. Um, It is somewhat of a trick trivia question. Uh, The trivia question would be, how name the angels mentioned by name in the Bible. Now, most people are going to give you two names, Michael, the archangel, and Gabriel, the advent messenger angel. But there are actually four, I believe, four angels mentioned by name in the Bible. Obviously, you've got Michael, the archangel. You've got Gabriel, the advent messenger angel. But then you also have an angel known as Lucifer. This was Satan. Satan was an angel. But there's a fourth angel mentioned by name in the Bible. His name is Apollyon. Apollyon is mentioned in Revelation chapter 9. And this is an evil dude. He's a bad dude. In Revelation chapter 9, we're told that there's this angel that's kind of in charge of the abyss. And the abyss is not the same thing as hell. We'll look at that in week three of this series. But in Revelation chapter 9, this this angel, this fallen angel, has this horde of these evil locusts. And he's going to release the locusts. Uh, They're going to come up from the earth, and they're not going to feed on grass or trees. They're going to feed on human flesh. Not flesh of the believers, but flesh of unbelievers that these locusts will consume flesh and people will cry out to die because they're in so much pain, but they won't be able to die. It's a really, really, really bad scene. But I want to take you and I want to introduce you to him, Apollyon. It's in Revelation 9, 11. It says this, they, these are the angels of the abyss, had a king over them, the angel of the, of the abyss, whose name in in Hebrew is Abdon, and in Greek is Apollyon, which means destroyer. And so we see that Apollyon, like Satan, is a fallen angel. He's the angel of the abyss. And we're going to talk about this in significant detail in week three of the series. And so there you have it, the five types of angels in the Bible. I want to invite you to come back next week as we look at the ministry of angels. How do they act and interact with humans? What is their role in our lives? I hope that you also will begin to think about the fact that even though you can't see it, all around us, there is this great battle going on for the souls of mankind, including your soul, a battle between angels and demons. We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate or partner with us in what God is doing here, check out our website at elevatecc.com. Until next time, God bless you and thanks again.